This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the program, Warning. Today, we're listening to a message that Dr. E.J. Buckhart shared as he filled in for Dr. Hansen on October 2, 2004. This was recorded during the season of the Feast of Tabernacles. Dr. Buckhart's message title is Hope, Faith, Victory, Vision, Valleys, Victory. Now, let us begin. Democracy means each person has a vote and a right to do what they'd like to do. Christianity is a theocracy. It's God's way or nobody else's way. And God says very strongly, if you don't do it my way, There is a way that you will go, which is not very nice, and it's called the burning fire. So in God's way, it's a theocracy. It's his way and not our way. Let's open up your Bibles to 1 Peter 5, 1 through 11. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 11. And this is going to be talking about elders, which I happen to be, and also about children. But it's going to lead us into trials and troubles. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also, I am an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. That's the challenge to the elders and to pastors. Feed the flock which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not a filthy liqueur, but of ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage. In other words, I as an elder or as a pastor cannot be Lord over you, but at the same time, we must instruct you. Being examples of the flock. Now that is a very serious challenge to an elder or to a pastor. We have to be an example to you. In other words, if my life does not line up with the Word of God, I'm being a bad example. So I have to judge myself daily that my life lines up to what Jesus Christ would have me to do. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself to the elder. Children, you need to submit yourself to the elders. Now your parents are also your elders. You need to submit yourself to them. Now remember. If they don't lead you up in the ways of the Lord, the Lord God will be their judge. And that's a challenge to parents and to adults. We have to stand before the throne of God. It's not going to be Pastor Hanson. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be your wife. It's not going to be your husband. It's not going to be your brother or your sister. You yourself are going to have to stand before the Lord. 
Younger, submit yourself to the others. They, all of you, be subject to one another. All of a sudden we see that you're not just subject to or submit to your parents. You just don't submit to your elders, but you submit yourself one to another. So in other words, I have to submit myself to you into certain areas. Just because I'm an elder doesn't mean to give me the right to control your life. I have to guide your life and have to direct your life. Then you have to respect and obey that elder. For God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him who careth for you. Casting all your cares, your burdens, your troubles, your trials, upon him. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions have accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, you're not the only ones that are going through troubles. You're not the only ones that are going through trials. It's common among all brethren. And if we would talk to our elders and my parents, which are now deceased, and ask them what they went through, it's amazing the things that they had to go through, but looking at them, man, they came through it smelling like a rose, and everything was glorious. But they, too, had to go through the trials and the troubles. But of God of all grace, who has called you to eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered for a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and to settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever. And if you flip across the page to 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, and now we get into the trials and the troubles. Beloved, think it not strange... Concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Think it not strange that you may be going through financial problems. You may be going through marital problems. That you may be going through having problems with classmates in school. You may be having problems with your employer at work. Think it not strange, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceedingly joy. Now, how many people have taught you that when you go through fiery trials, that you can rejoice and be happy and be joyful? This is not the things of the world. This is not the way the world thinks. But once again, remember, you are no longer of the world. You are of the kingdom of God. So you don't let these things bother you. I remember we had a lady on our prayer list, Dorothy Gowden, I think is her last name, who is now deceased and gone home with the Lord, but was dying of cancer. And she used to send emails, and some of us had talked on the telephone. I mean, this lady had the greatest joy that one could have known in her heart. She was more concerned about you than she was here. She says, the Lord will take care of me. This is just something I'm going through. But she says, I want to be a blessing to people. I mean, there is an example of someone, and a lot of you don't know her. I wish you would have been able to, but I'm sure you can think in your life of someone that you've known. If not, we'll find somebody like that to put into your life so that you can understand how you can go through trials, yet at the same time have exceeding joy. And a lot of it has to do with whether or not you believe the words of Scripture, which we're getting to very shortly. Do you really believe the words of the scripture? Do you really believe the songs that we sing? If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy should you be. For the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. 
On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. In other words, this isn't the way you're supposed to suffer as a murderer or a thief or a robber or an evildoer or a busybody in other men's matters. You've heard pastors talk much about gossip, and you always kind of want to know what's going on. Like many of you are probably thinking, where's pastor at today? Busybody thinking about other people's matters. Anyway, pastor did want me to tell you that he did leave at 8.30 this morning with his family, and he'll be back tomorrow. And many of you know why. But once again, just stop to think about it. The Lord says, don't suffer this way by not knowing where someone's at. But pastors, you know, would love to be here, and he would have been if he could have been. If any of you suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in his behalf. If you need to suffer because of your stand for Jesus Christ, do not be ashamed. You will be persecuted. You will be put down. And young people going to school nowadays really sense this, much more than when I went through school. I mean, Jesus could still be spoken in the word in the school other than swearing. Uh, you could read the Bible in school. You could teach the Bible in school. And that's not that many years ago. I'm not that old. I'm only in 63. So it's not that many years ago. When I went to school, it was not that way. And my challenge to school is now is how come kids can swear using the name of Jesus Christ and they don't get kicked out of school or teachers don't get expelled from being teachers. Yet you use the word of Jesus in love in a good way they expel you from school. There's something wrong with the system. Because the name of Jesus, there's power in that name of Jesus. For the time has come that judgments must begin in the house of God. And you've heard many sermons preached on that. If it first begins at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinners appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit in the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as a faithful creator. Hills and valleys and victories. In order to have hills, you have to have a valley. Otherwise, you've got flatland. If everything's flat, there's no hills and there's no valleys. So you understand, to have a valley, there's going to have to be a hill. But we also know that in the valley, these are the low spots in your life. When you come down the valley, that there can be victory on the other side. And it's the same thing with faith. If there's no faith, there's no unbelief. Because in order to have faith, there has to be the opposite, which would be unbelief. And both are available, but unbelief is the evil heart of man. Unbelief is the evil heart of man. So remember, we're talking about faith. I talked with Greg, that's Andy's father, this weekend. He was spent a couple days at the beginning of Feast of Tabernacles. And he said that faith is trust in God. It's just not acceptance of Jesus. And this was, a, this was a, a really a great word because all of us in here that are of age of understanding have basically accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. We have accepted Jesus as Lord. We know him in a mind, and most Americans have had some contact with the name of Jesus. Many have accepted him in their heart. But to really trust and believe what he says will take place in our lives. Do we really believe it? Do we really trust him? A child will trust his father or his mother. It's fun to watch 
Josh, or, uh, Joel here, his dad will pick him up and throw him up in the air and he laughs. He has total trust that his father will do him no harm. Total trust. And when Jesus said, come unto me as children, I think this is what he's saying. Come to me with total trust. You're sitting down in those pews right now and you have all the faith and confidence in the world that you're not going to fall down on the ground. Wow. Now Jesus wants us to have that same trust in him. Not just acceptance of who he is, but he wants us to trust him in every word that he says that he will give to us. Now he never said he's going to take us out or take us, keep us from trouble. He says, in times of trouble, and I will take you out of trouble, which means you're going to be in trouble. But he's not going to keep us from it. And we have to understand that because as you understand that, it'll make you serve your life as a Christian much better. John 14.1. We're going to turn to John 14. Now before I read John 14.1, if you go back to verse 36, you'll discover that this is when Jesus told Peter that before the cock will crow, you will deny me three times. Immediately after that, remember in the Greek Bible, there's no verses. There's no chapter headings. There's no numbering of the verses. That's been done just for us who like to study the Bible. But right after that, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Many people believe in a God. Many people believe in God. But Jesus said, Believe in God. Believe also in me. For I am the way the truth, and the life, which is just the next few verses down. In other words, it's just not enough to know God, to believe in God, but you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what makes Christianity different than any other religion, because he is the Son of God. So not only believe in God, but believe in Jesus Christ. This is why a lot of times when you hear politicians, movie stars, uh, sports figures, they'll say, oh, I believe in God. But you'll hear some of those say, I believe in Jesus Christ, and this is what Jesus has done for me. Those I listen to, because now they know who God is. Because you can only know God through Jesus Christ. So when I hear a person speak in the name of Jesus, I perk up because this person, I feel, has a true understanding of who God is. It's Jesus. This is why... In Jamaica, for one, they've taken Jesus out of many of the statements. They may use the word God, but you can't use the word Jesus. This is why in schools, they also, the name of Jesus is what's offensive. It's not the name of God. The Muslims have a God. A lot of people have God. You can talk about the God, the creator of the, well, usually don't use the creator in the verse, but the power, whatever it may be. But to use the name of Jesus Christ, number one, it's going to get you in trouble. So maybe that's why we don't get out of trouble is because we use the name of Jesus Christ that puts us in the trouble. But God says, that's okay. That's okay. I'll take you out of the trouble as you witness for me that he will see us through that. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let's go to Psalm 34. And this is what I really, I don't know how many people read the Psalms. I think it's one of these books of the Bible that we really need to spend time in to do daily uh, reading of the Psalms. It's encouraging because we're talking about praising the Lord. As we worship and praise the Lord, we will see His Spirit come down and work in us. And the Psalms are just full of praise, but they're also full of strength. If you really trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you really trust in Him, not just with your head and with your lips, but you really believe 
And you read the Psalms, he'll just tell you how he'll deliver you. In Psalms 34, I'm going to move around, but I'll go in order. I will bless the Lord at all times. Praise shall continue being my mouth. If you know Christian people, especially the senior Christians, you'll always tend to hear them, even underneath their breath, they're kind of whistling a, a Christian tune or they're singing praises to the Lord. It's just in there. It's just with them all the time. And on fire, born-again Christians, when they first get that fire in their belly, you know, it's not the head knowledge, the heart knowledge, but it's that fire in their belly. They, too, will sing spiritual songs. They'll sing hymns. They'll sing hallelujah. It's there. And that needs to be in our lives at all times. For the Lord says, I will bless the Lord all times. His praises shall be continually in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt the name together. That's why we worship the Lord. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. Hey, the Bible says, if you seek the Lord, he will hear you. Some people go, the Lord doesn't hear me, you know. I pray to God, but he never hears me, you know. I blah, blah, blah. Well, my scripture doesn't say that. My scripture says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me out of my fears. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Are you going through troubles? Hey, that's normal. Will you go out in troubles in the future? Yes, you will. If I give my life to the Lord and faithfully serve him, will that take me out, keep me from trouble? Not according to scripture. Not at all. But he does say, saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth him. You've heard pastor's story about his grandmother. We've heard that many a times. Brother Cromwell, I don't know if you've heard that one, but pastor, his grandmother was in a mission field in China, and she was walking home one evening, got dark, and she got surrounded by a group of notorious thieves, murderers, and she was surrounded by them all night. But they didn't do anything. In the morning, they left. She went on her way. Two years later, she was preaching in a village, and the leader of that gang gave his life to the Lord Jesus. She came up and said, do you remember me? He says, yes, I remember you very well. You were the leader of those thugs that surrounded me in the field. She says, why didn't you rape and kill me? He says, we wanted to. We were going to, but we couldn't. He says, you had soldiers around you that were bigger than our men. And they had swords drawn. And out of the tip of the sword was fire. The angels of the Lord surrounded about. So this is real. Now, she couldn't see the angels around them, but the enemy certainly saw the angels around them. The Lord opened up the eyes so the enemy could see the angels. We as Christians sometimes don't see those angels, but they do camp about it. The Lord says, my angels are camping about you. Believe that. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusteth in him. Once again, faith requires trust, not just acceptance. I thank you, Dad, for that, Andy. That was a beautiful message that he gave me that day. I get many telephone calls. I told you about a little bit earlier where people called in and said, how are we going to do this when times get tough and we can't pay our bills? And I look at them and says, well, what are you doing with your first fruits? What are you doing with your tithes? Are you tithing as the Lord asks you to do? Usually there'll be a little hemming and a little hawing around, and they'll say, well, do I... Well, what do you mean by tithe? I said, well, the first fruits. The first time you get your paycheck or whatever, do you take out your percentage of the Lord, the 10% or more, and give it to the Lord? Well, no, not really. Sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. I says, well, I can understand why you're starting to doubt. 
how am I going to trust in the Lord? Because now when times are good, you're not really trusting in the Lord. You're trusting on your own ability to pay your bills. You're trusting on your own ability to feed your family. And if you can't trust God now with one of his commandments, in other words, we're a theocracy, we're not a democracy. If you can't give those first fruits to the Lord, how do you expect him to be able to take care of your needs? I understand why you have doubt right now. And that doubt is an evil thing that God hates. Doubt and unbelief. So let's get back and start trusting in the Lord. Not just accepting what he's saying is true. Yeah, Jesus was a good teacher. Most religions accept Jesus as being a good teacher, a good moral man. He did the right things. But doing the right things won't get you into heaven. Amen. It will not get you into heaven because scripture says it won't. You've got to trust the Lord in all things and do it God's way. And you need to forgive your brother. Right. We won't go into that. It's not part of my sermon. There are some that many times, or husbands and wives, you've got to forgive. It's a requirement. It's not a choice that you have. Yeah, you have the choice not to do it, but you also then have to live with the penalty. Let's go to Psalms 37, 39. Did I finish that one? No, let's go back to 34. Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusts in him. Number 9, O fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. There is no want to them that fear him. In Psalms 37, which we'll go to later, the righteous have never been without. We just came out of tabernacles. We lived in tents and we had to cook kind of outdoors and didn't have all the fancy stuff, even though we had quite a bit of it. We were well blessed and we did not go without. And there's some of you here that are really struggling financially. But you went through a good week without. Don't you think the Lord can do it next week as well? Now, does that mean you sit back and sit in your prayer closet all day and pray? No, not unless that's what God's called you to do. And there are some people God's called to pray. So be careful not to judge them. But for most of us, God hasn't called us to pray all day, be in a prayerful mood all day, but he's also called us to work. If you don't work, it says you don't eat. So, you know, you need to work. But at the same time, there was no want for them that fear him. Leaven. Come, ye children, hearken to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Thirteen, keep your tongue from evil. That's a command. Keep your tongue from evil. Man, sometimes that's a tough one. Now, evil doesn't mean saying naughty words. It can be gossip, murmuring, like the children of Israel that murmured. That's why we went through tabernacles. They murmured for 40 years and had to live in tabernacles. Keep your tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Sometimes most of us, if we'd hold our tongue and not let it flap in the breeze, we wouldn't have to get on our knees quite as often to ask forgiveness. Not to let our emotions take over. It's so easy to let emotions take over. Children, you know, first thing your parents ask you to do something, you first said, no! The tongue was not in control at that time. That was your emotions. And parents sometimes react to their children when the children does something wrong. What do you do that for? I mean, there's other ways to handle the situation, to correct the child, but we need to control that little tongue. And there's other times we do it in, in, with good intentions, and it can get us saying almost in a sense of gossip. Even in our prayers, Oh, Lord, help Jim to be able to solve his marital problems. Oh, Jim's got problems? Oh, I didn't know about, oh, what, what's wrong with Jim? Oh, you know, his wife kind of walked out on him a little bit, you know. And, you know, but it'll be okay. We'll pray for it and he'll come through. 
Well, what if Jim and his wife get back together? What have we just done to you? We've tainted that relationship. If you had never heard that, that couple could be the most beautiful couple you've ever seen. We need to learn to control that tongue. Control the thoughts. Say, Lord, should I say this at this time or should I not? Don't let your emotions run away with you. Or don't have to be that busybody. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The face of the Lord against them that do evil. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth. He delivereth them out of their troubles. Now that's a second time in Psalms 34 where the Lord says, He delivereth them out of their troubles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now how many have heard sermons preached that give you life to the Lord, you know, and everything will be okay. No more problems, no more difficulties. And here it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. These are the righteous people. So if you see a righteous person going through afflictions and going through troubles, don't come down against them. Encourage one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Well, Put your arms about them. Love them. Because the Lord says you will go through afflictions. They're not doing anything wrong necessarily. But they need encouragement. Pastors need encouragement once in a while. Pastors go through afflictions and troubles and trials. And one of the things you'll learn when you get to preach a sermon, we talked about this in the pastor's prayer beforehand, is that when you've got something on your heart and you want to speak it to the people, you expect them to listen to it and then do it. And then time back again and again and again. And you wonder why the pastors can't. Can't you understand and hear what I'm trying to say? You know? What you need to do is have every one of you get up and preach something that's on your heart. And everybody has something on their heart. You've got a message to give. Each one of you do. Even the children's got a message to give. And then you want everybody to They want you sleeping out there. So God forgive me every time I fall asleep because, you know, I've done it. I'm not nodding yes, yes, yes. I'm not in agreement. I mean, it's just, it's some of the human things we deal with. But listen to what the person says. When I read the scripture, open up your Bible, follow through. If you've got to take notes, my wife is a good note taker. She takes notes because it helps you remember. Because she sees it, she writes it, she hears it, and it helps remember. So it's good to take notes. Now, when I take notes, I can't read them, but that's okay. At least I took the notes. And that's a challenge because then when I go to reread them, I have to, what did he really say? And it makes you think about it. But many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Third time in one psalm, delivers them out of their troubles. And then go to Psalms 46. So when you're going through tough times, read this. This is the greatest one that I think everybody's memorized. Verse first, God is our refuge and strength, the present help in trouble. Hmm, in trouble. We didn't say out of trouble. You're in trouble now. He is our presence, our strength and our refuge. The song we just sang. Melinda, I appreciate that song. Yeah. It was a refuge. God is our refuge and strength, a present help in trouble. In trouble. Psalm 91, 15. He shall call upon me, that's you and I, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
I can look back at my parents and look at that, and because I know the Lord took my parents to them, and they were honored with a long life. Very faithful men and women of God. Very simple people, farmers. Very simple. But they did what the Lord had called them to do in the best way they could. And the Lord honored them with long life. I think people get long lives many times because of their honoring of the Lord. Granted, there's times when we see people taken home early in life and we kind of wonder why. And we get angry at God. Well, there's your first problem you've got, is getting angry with God. Because you don't trust God to know what he's doing and that he's doing, he'll take care of. He probably had a reason for doing what he did. But the real crux of the matter is, are you doing what God wants you to do? Well, There's the key. We don't question what God's doing. We question, what are you doing? Are you doing what God wants you to do? When God speaks to you that in little still voice, and many people ask, well, I don't hear God speak to me in small still voice. I think he does. I know he does. Yeah. But we just don't hear it. Or we don't understand what it's like when Pastor Tom was talking about Samuel. In Eli, you know, he runs into, into Eli and says, what do you want? What do you want? Well, he was listening to the voice of God. He wasn't listening to the voice there. So we need to hear that voice. And sometimes that voice is a very simple voice is walk over and talk to that person. Just talk to him. Touch him. Lay your hand on him. Say, are you okay? If you see someone's hurting, you know, you can tell when someone's hurting. You walk up to them and say, is everything okay? And they'll probably lie to you and say, yeah. You know, that's the first thing we do as pastors. And everything, oh yeah, everything's fine. And, you know, there's something bugging you on the inside. And if you know the person long enough, you realize, you know, you don't even have to ask questions. But we ask that question all the time. But when you ask a question, and then just wait, and, and like Pastor Hansen says, well, maybe just pray with them. If they're hurting, even a non-believer, there's something about it. If they're hurting, they'll let you pray for them. Unless they're really outside of the Lord. They will allow you that opportunity to pray for them. You don't have to have fancy words. They can be very simple words. As simple as three words. Jesus loves you. Because it's not what we do. It's not what we say. It's what Jesus Christ will do with our actions in the words that we use. You've got to understand and comprehend that. It's not what we say. It's not what we do but what God does with those actions that we do in the words that we say. We're supposed to speak of Jesus. We're supposed to speak of his healing touch. Unless we don't lay our hands on them and says, Jesus, heal you, have we done what we're supposed to do? Now, Jesus is very, very powerful, and he can heal people without you and I. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, he does use us to do it. We're his hands. We're the extension of his arms. Remember when I started out, I said, you know, pray to the Lord to use your hands as an extension of his love. And how many times have you, a lot of you people had hands laid on you, where all of a sudden there's a warmth that comes over you. That has nothing to do with that human person, but it's that person being allowed to be used by Jesus to allow his love to flow through you, and the anointing comes through there. And if you didn't do that, and when you get to heaven, God says, why didn't you do it? I mean, was that difficult to do? If you tell you about the smile and the frowns, there's something like that takes, I don't know how many muscles to frown, and it takes very few to smile. I mean, the Lord made it that way. It's easier to smile than it is to frown. There's a reason for that. And so, remember, even with this, with this fellowship that we have, 
And a time, Pastor Tom has come up to me and put his arms around me once in a while. He didn't know why he did it, but there was a reason. He probably does this there, but it made me feel warmth that I needed. And I'm sure I've touched him some, but I put my arm around Ron, you know, Ron's that I've done it to Ron. You don't know why, but you do it. That's the voice of the Lord. Hey, just go give the guy a hug. Give your brother a hug. Give your sister a hug. Give your child a hug. God can use those little things. But remember, watch the tongue, though. The tongue's a dangerous one. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Why do we fret? Go to Psalm 43. Why do we fret? I've got this one marked up in so many ways, it's almost hard to read it. But there's certain phrases in here. I think I need to read the whole thing, and then I'll pick out the phrases, why do we fret? Judge me, O God, and plead my case against the ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. How many of you feel that this nation has been in an ungodly way? Okay? How many of you feel that there's been men that have treated you unjustly? For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Well, you probably asked that one too. God, why? Matter of fact, if you go to when Jesus died on the cross, said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I always wondered about that passage. But as we get into Psalm 43, it'll answer the question. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But if you continue reading the verse, and every Hebrew knew that passage, that psalm, because it says later on there, God will deliver me out of my situation. In other words, God is faithful. So by saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All the Hebrews that knew it knew that the rest of the passage, that God had not forsaken him, but that God was delivering him for the purpose that he was called for. It's a very, very interesting analysis of that scripture. But once again here it says, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against the ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why hast thou cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? Why do I go out moaning and groaning because of the oppression of my enemies? O send out the light and thy truth. Let them lead me, let them bring me unto the holy hill and to the town. Then I will go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceedingly joy. Yea, upon the harp I will praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down? Why are you cast down, my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Because God is our help. So why do we go about moaning and groaning and complaining and worry and fret and have anxieties when we can hope in God, have the faith, have the victory, we can have the vision, we can go through the valley and have the victory. But to get to the victory, you've got to have hope, you've got to have faith, you've got to have trust, you've got to have a vision, you're going to go through troubles, you're going to go through valleys before you get to the victory. If you don't need a miracle, you won't get a miracle. Why should God provide a miracle if you don't need one? There's no need for a miracle. And close with Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And once again, you've heard this passage over and over and over again. So the next time I see you moping or groaning, I'm going to ask you if you remember reading Philippians 4, 6, rejoice 
in the Lord always. Even when you're moaning and groaning, rejoice in the Lord. Okay? I mean, that's, that's a commandment of the Lord. He says rejoice. Let your moderations be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful of nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God is saying, hey, ask me what you want. Don't be afraid to ask me. I mean, even for little things. I had a hard time asking God for little things. I figured I need a big miracle. I can ask God for it, and he'd probably answer. But for little things, no, well, you know, I got this flat tire, and I'm not going to be able to get to work on time. And, you know, Lord, help me keep my peace and let it all work out. How Somehow let it work out. I mean, even little things. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, do you believe that? It's written in the Word. And we say that this Word is what we believe. So my challenge is, believe it, trust it, quit your moaning, your complaining, and your groaning, and believe. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. As we prepare to go to the altar, the last song we sang was, You Can Use Me, God Use Me. Another one of the songs was, This Is My Desire. This Is My Desire. As you were worshiping today, we had a time a very quietness. How many of you felt comfortable during that period of time? How many of you felt uncomfortable? This is a time the Lord is really moving privately. When we worship, come to think about times that quiet time like that. Let the Lord speak to you. That was a moving time. Lord, I give you my heart. We sing it all the time. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Challenge. Do you live for the Lord alone? You live for your wife, you live for your husband, your children, your job, your new boat, your new car, your new motorcycle, your ministry. What do you live for? We say, I live for you alone. Challenge again. This is a time to be very serious. Like once I said, you know, I can understand why pastors sometimes just, I don't know how to phrase it because they just can't get it into you because you want them to catch this. Every breath I take, that's quite often. It's quite often. It's not just on the Sabbath and not on Sunday. I mean, that's not even every day. It's like every second. Every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. I love this song. And I got challenged this many years ago when I was at Cedar Park. And I heard these people saying it, and I watched them walk out of church and I said, hey, something's wrong here. They just sang a beautiful song and it didn't affect them. I mean, it did while they were sitting there, but it didn't affect them when they left. And it hit me. And I remember I had to stand up in the church and just say, says, folks, something's wrong here. These are beautiful, wonderful songs. We're singing the words, but do we have it in our heart? And now I've changed it because I've gone from the head knowledge to the heart knowledge. Do I have that fire in my belly? Do I have that fire in my belly? And this is what we're looking for. And this is what Jesus is looking for. Young people, middle-aged people, older people with fire in their belly fire in their belly. So when they sing these words, it'll have meaning to them. At the altar, I hope 
over this Feast of Tabernacles that you've been challenged. We had time around the campfire. We had time around dinner. We had conflicts, okay? We're human beings. We had conflicts that took place during this time. But some of these conflicts were resolved through forgiveness and tears and saying, I'm sorry. This is what community is about. This is what creation is about. Once you learn this, so we learned a lot. So we need to be able to understand each other, to be able to forgive each other, to be able to encourage each other. And there's going to be days that I'm going to be down. There's days that Pastor Tom's going to be down. When I'm down, I'm expecting him to help encourage me. There's days my wife's going to be down. I'm going to be expected to encourage her. We need to do this. We don't complain and gripe about our spouses. We don't complain and gripe about our children. But we take that as a challenge to show the love of Jesus Christ. Now, as children evolve, you will be disciplined. Jesus says the rod of discipline is good so the children grow up the way they're supposed to be. So when you make mistakes, which you know you shouldn't do, and mom and dad have to take the Board of Education, as Pastor Hanson referred to it, and use it, understand there's a lot of love in there. But it's a requirement. It's God's way of doing things. Man's way, maybe sit down, talk to him, and explain it to him. Well, forget it. God knows a little bit better than man does. And we've got to come to that understanding. But once again, we've got to eat our pride, take away our emotions, and be willing to come to each other and to ask for forgiveness and to forgive. And when someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, accept it. In other words, don't kind of, well, that's no big deal. That's okay, I forgot. I'm, I'm, I'm very guilty of that. Someone says, EJ, I, I need to forgive you. I said, no, nah, that's no big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal to them. I've got to, got to stop that. That's my tongue. It's a big deal to them. He says, yes, you forgive them. Make it very simple. You don't make a sermon out of it, but make it simple. That's what forgiveness is about. It's a very simple thing. But don't push, push it. What's the word? I don't know how the phrase goes, but, but make it. They're serious about it, so take it seriously and say, I forgive you. So I'm showing some of my weaknesses, but that's what we're here for. The service is officially closed, and those that like to come to the altar, please do so. If you'd like to leave, you're free to go. But once again, Lord, when you come to the altar today, just take a deep look inside your heart, Lord, where you are and where you want to be. And if there's anything you need to straighten out with a friend or a child or a spouse, it's a good time to do it. And also it's a time to make a commitment to the Lord. So when you sing the songs, you sing the words of these songs like, I live only for you. If you haven't done that, ask the Lord to forgive you and give you the strength, Lord, to, to do it. We want to be a light to this community. We want to be a light to this community. Not only to the world, which we're doing with the warning through the ministry, but we want to be a light to this community. We want to teach people to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And first of all, you got to love yourself, that you can do the work of the Lord. So the altars are open.
Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business, or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the Independence Program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care, and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you join hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629-5248 and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless.